Welcome to episode 10 of season six of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I'm going to be having a conversation with Luisa Milano. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show, Miss Louisa. How are you today? Fantastic, Terry. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so happy to be here with you and having this wonderful conversation around beliefs and business, because we know that my listener is a solopreneur wanting to make life easier and more effective in their business, whether they're simplifying, whether they're expanding, whether they're getting ready to hire people. And so this is going to be a wonderful conversation. This is my like one of my strongest seasons from the standpoint of value, because beliefs run my brain. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure my listener has some some things that they uh, they are thinking as well that's going to be really beneficial for us. So, but before we get into the topic, if you could just talk a little bit about yourself, the work you do, and uh, so we kind of get a little better context. Yeah. So I've been on the journey uh, as a solopreneur for, I'm in my third year. So I got through year one, made it alive. Yay. Um, Yay. And it feels <laughs> like this is the year where I'm really expanding and yes. tackling new things, creating in a really bold way. And it feels really good. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. Today, my practice is threefold. So I have a consulting section of my practice where I serve founders of companies with um, revenue between two and 10 million as a guide to helping them get the right people in the door to fuel their organizational growth. Mm, that's and so key. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talent matters is the, the, the sort of the handle to my business. And then the coaching side of it is I serve individuals looking to evolve in the areas of health, wealth, and relationships mm. and their experience of navigating from where they are to where they want to be the, the experience on the inside, right? The, the thoughts and yes. what you feel as you're setting about on your journey. And so that part of my business tagline is, and the human experience. So it's talent matters and the human experience. Love it. And then a more specialized, the, the third leg of the stool is HR coaching, where I coach the unique needs and challenges of HR leaders and executives. And there are unique needs. We are yeah. in such an interesting time in our uh, economy and, and industries in general because of the people talent shortage. Yeah. And 
the the generational i mean everybody talks about the generational challenges that most companies are having we've got so many generations that are in most companies right now mm -hmm. and everyone's struggling a little bit on how to deal with that uh certain generations are asking for certain types of conditions in the workplace whereas others are requesting other things that satisfy their generational demands that they were raised up through. Yeah. And what that does for the employer is creates a lot of chaos when all they want to do is be relevant in the marketplace, produce a good product or service, and grow their business revenue. And as, as of course, that's very obviously simplified. But <laughs> at the end of the day, the people cost is the highest cost of most companies. And it's also what will make or break an organization is the leadership and, and the workforce. And so you, you've got 100%. your work cut out for you. <laughs> I do. And this yeah. is why I really wanted to have you on this particular season is specifically about the coaching and work you do, not only with business leaders, but also the folks that are taking care of the people in the workforce, the HR teams and, and everybody. And we all have to yeah. kind of figure out how to work together whether we're solopreneurs or whether we're within a company. So I think the combination of how you how you are coaching slash consulting your clients, as well as your experiences going through being a solopreneur in your third year now, uh, yeah. especially with the the growth and evolution that you're going through and, you know, really hitting your stride, as, as you mentioned. And I think that that's going to be a, a really a great contribution, which is why I wanted to talk with you specifically about how beliefs shape your business. Yeah. So let's go ahead and just get us started off in that particular vein. I want to, um, as you're working with some of these uh, leaders, and some of them are startup companies, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in many ways, there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit that solopreneurs also experience. So what are some of the things that you're seeing uh, these leaders struggle with that you help them with when it comes to their belief systems, what they think, and how they make decisions based on those belief systems? Yeah. So what I see my clients struggle with is typically two things on the consulting side where it comes to human performance. It's growth isn't fast enough or growth is too fast. Hmm. And even when it comes to their hiring and their recruiting, I either have too many candidates or I don't have enough candidates. Where are all the applicants? Or, oh my gosh, I have 75 in three days for different, you know, for various positions. And so that's where I've found it really valuable to help them build the systems and the processes to help them navigate going from a ton of resumes to a hire and or helping them go from I don't have any to well let's unpack it let's peek under the hood and see what's working what's not sometimes I, I, I use the same reference in coaching um, sometimes it's about holding up a mirror and going here's what I see what do mm. you see and then they see for themselves how they could do something a little differently or how a system that I've created or a process would tr truly help them get the momentum that they need, whether, again, it's fueling more growth or managing through very, very fast growth. Um, 
And then on the coaching side, it's it's at the end of the day, and I've thought about this, it distills down to what are the thoughts in my head that I breathe life into and how are how, an awareness to how they're either serving or sabotaging me and how to move through that with fresh, alive thinking. Mm. And of all the coaching clients I've had, that's really the, at the end of the day, what it is. How am I relating to my thoughts today? And how can I relate to them differently to help me move into action in service of my vision, my mission, my purpose? Yeah, what they're trying to get accomplished. And I want to yeah. I want to pull on that that last one, the coaching example. When they first come to you, they might not have the awareness that it's thoughts that are what needs to be disrupted maybe or distinguished. So they're coming to you with a, a problem of sorts, and it's through the coaching process that you help them get connected with that and then uh, make that like what, how you explained it about thoughts, that process. Yeah. Yeah. So what, is, what does that typically look like? Like if you could give an example. So I worked with a gentleman who I met at a talk and he shook my hand early on, introduced himself and said, hey, I'm kind of took a peek at your LinkedIn and I'm really looking forward to your talk. And I'd like to maybe chat afterwards. I'm looking to move from education to um, HR. And I was like, great, awesome. He got brownie points right away because very few people actually go and research the speaker before a talk. So yes. I was like, okay, this this is a fascinating person already. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. And we had a series of conversations before we entered into a formal coaching agreement. And I remember, you know, so clearly the moment where his worldview shifted as a result of seeing life in a new light, in a way he had never seen before. And all I had drawn is a circle. We were exploring a couple things in his life. And I said, at the end of the day, it is your beliefs that drive your actions, which bring you the results that you have. So most people go, I need to change my actions in order to get better results. Mm -hmm. But if you go just a step to the left of that, and you can observe through a conversation that a, a coach can easily, you know, very powerfully facilitate, you can see, oh, these are the beliefs that drive me or that create yeah. the, that are the motivators that create inputs for my action that bring about the results I don't want. And after we met, I think it was our fourth session, um, he said, hey, Louisa, I'm going dark for two weeks. Um, just wanted to let you know, if you respond, I may not answer. And he didn't say much. He's like, I'm going into my basement. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Did, <laughs> like, <laughs> did I send him into some depressive state? Because we had we went really deep in the conversation. What came out of the two weeks was a 26, it might have even been 36, I think it was close to 40 slide uh, business plan for a foundation that he wanted to build. And wow. he's executing against it to date. We're still friends. And he's it just not all my clients become my friends because I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to serve them. But a lot of them do. And he also realized the other thing is he actually didn't want to run towards HR. He wanted to run from education. And when he saw the belief that was 
motivating him to run from versus run to, he was like, mm. well, I can stay in education and I can actually make a bigger impact than I ever thought possible. Wow. Yeah. That's a great story. That's really cool. Yeah. And thank you for that example. And it's really interesting because what I what I heard there was that you empowered that client to realize that it was up to them, that they didn't, I don't want to say have a victim mentality, but that they had full and total control as opposed to trying to find an action to avoid something or run away from, yes. from something, as you were saying. And I think that that's really powerful when it comes to understanding the construct of beliefs. Uh, you know, the way I like to talk about beliefs, like when I wrote my Compass Playbook, is, and and I this is borrowed wisdom, but <laughs> beliefs basically are thoughts you just keep thinking that you, it's stuff you keep saying about yourself or about whatever the topic is yeah. that you continue to agree with and support. And much of it is default. It's like running on autopilot and you don't yeah. realize that you have this story or this construct around thinking that is perpetuating this experience. And I love that model of, of the thought to the action because people do. They think if they do a different action, they'll get a different result because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be the definition of insanity, which is doing the same <laughs> thing over and over again, expecting a different yes. result. But when we, because we are so action oriented. I mean, even in my business with marketing, everything's about a tactic or, you know, a deliverable or copywriting yeah. or what, it, you know, what are you doing with your ads or stuff like that, which is all action oriented as opposed to strategy and thinking. What's the yeah. intention behind this? What's the thinking behind this? And I've, I've opened, and that's why I had to do this theme on this season in my podcast, because there's so much that comes into play when it comes to being a solopreneur and when you have these beliefs around your business. So I'm going to throw a couple of like scenarios at you and we yeah. can chew on those a little bit if that's okay, because I, I think it. that that might be more beneficial, you know, to get it out of the stands and onto the court and, and out of theory and into practical ways awesome. to think about stuff. And so let's say I'm a solopreneur and I've been in business as a consultant. Okay. I do some training in the area of Microsoft Office, for example. So let's say I'm a kind of a technical trainer and I've been competing at the level of, uh, you know, the training. So I'm considering myself as a trainer because I have this skill set and people come to me because they have a problem with Microsoft on their team. Mm -hmm. Somebody doesn't have the skill set or someone's new and they need to bring them up to snuff. So they bring me in as a trainer. I sit down, do my training thing, blah, blah, blah. So if I want to do something different, in other words, if I'm starting to lose business or find that I'm having to drop my price because there are tons of other certified Microsoft professionals out there that are training similarly, mm -hmm. offering basically the same thing, what are some of the things that I could think differently about what I'm doing in my business that could open up some new possibilities? Yeah. So I love that question. I was just on a webinar um, with my former coach, Rich Litvin, who was wanted to put himself out there to share 14 concepts for leading yourself and others through trying times. Mm. And one of the things that he coaches around really powerfully is counterintuitive 
truths or counterintuitive insights where it's most people think this, but the truth is this, or it's my experience this. And sometimes getting, shifting something in like a 90 degree that doesn't seem like it would be the right, in air quotes, thing to do is exactly what's needed. So, and what came to mind as you talked about the example of the trainer and what might they do and they're offering discounts is what if you raise your prices, right? Like if you're as a solopreneur really sure about what you do, that ultimate value, not what you do, you got to be clear on that too, but what it is that you do does for others. And you come from that really powerful place of, I know I bring a lot of value to teams and companies around Microsoft Office. Then if you raise your prices, um, what can happen, and, and the example that he shared that I love so much is there was a person in a similar situation, not a Microsoft trainer, but in a solopreneur. And he was like, I just don't know what to do. And, 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 and I've done discounts and it's really not working. He goes, well, raise your prices. And he was like, that the, the person said, well, I'm not sure if that's going to, if that's going to work, but whatever, let's, 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 let me, let me just try it and see where it goes. Right. And he did. And he got in a matter of month, in a matter of a month, five new clients. Wow. Now he had been, yeah, he had been kind of flatlining for a bit. So he was, mm. there was this like, I got to do something, which I think was cool because it helped him take what Rich said and, and, and actually go, screw it. I mean, it's not, not going to get any worse. I've been a flatline for two months. And when he asked a few of the people after they signed up, he's like, hey, um, I'd like to know what, what, what made you say yes? And they said, well, we knew because of the pricing who wouldn't be in the room. Hmm, so their perception was it, it, I believe it sort of leveled up the people that were going to join. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it went in a direction that he, you know, it was a direction he didn't think of going that once he did prove to give him really, really good results, the counterintuitive. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Direction. And, yeah. And it wasn't really a reframe. It was just a different poke at it, you know, almost like a perspective shift mm -hmm. that because he was so focused on the problem, which was, you know, declining sales, having to lower, you know, do all these things that he didn't want to do in order to get more business when in fact, doing the complete opposite is what opened things up. So, yeah, I mean, if we were to poke at this a little bit more, the belief construct prior to raising prices was um, the only way I can get businesses by lowering my price. So it's, it's a competition mm -hmm. of dollars, right? So it's time for money. It's, you know, I have to come in cheaper than the other guys because it's a commodity right. and it's something that people are looking because nobody has a budget. So it's almost like he's got a belief structure or the, hypothetical Microsoft mm -hmm. trainer I, I posed. <laughs> he has a belief construct that is, it's a commodity. The only way I can get business is this. So I'm going to have to sacrifice these things in order to compete. So it becomes more of a deterioration of value. Yeah. And I would venture to say in your example that you shared about Rich's uh, coaching to his client, raise your prices, that someone in that situation or that belief system would think, I'm not worth 
charging that much. No one yeah. will buy what I have because if you've been beating up on yourself so much in regard to price and what you charge and feel like you have to keep discounting or or lowering your price or, you know, adding more value and to just justify what you are charging, then that would probably be a leap for someone belief-wise or thinking-wise for them to to take that turn. So it does take the right kind of coach to help bridge that gap. So it isn't like, oh, there's no freaking way I'm going to be able to charge, you know, double what I normally do. When in fact, uh, he had evidence of the result of that. Yeah. The the other thing I'd add a hundred percent agree with you is it also makes me think of a fundamental belief that people carry that life is about trade-offs. Yes. So oh, wow. if, yeah. right. If I charge more, then I won't get new clients. Like I'll make more money, but I may not have more clients. And in so a man, as a man thinketh, so he is, if he was able to go, okay, well, what if by just that seed that was planted in him mm-hmm. by a coach, yeah, I can charge more and make more clients, right? Yeah. So in a world full oh, of ores and trade-offs, live, live and, you know, like live with yeah. ands when it's so much about if I do this, then I, if I'm, if I rise and if I grow my business from one person to three or four people, then that means I'm going to be with my family less, or that means I'm not going to be as present for my spouse. When you can actually have your cake and eat it too more often than not. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. Are you getting the sense that there may be some long-held beliefs getting in the way of your business thriving? A solopreneur business can be challenging at times to say the least. Everything from simplifying marketing to keeping your pipeline filled with a steady stream of great clients, there is a ton to do to run your business and be successful. The cause of these challenges may not necessarily be the economy, a missing marketing tactic or strategic action you're not taking, but a hidden belief that doesn't serve you or your business. The good news is you can uncover and change a belief that's sabotaging your business happiness, and I have the tools that'll help you. You'll find them inside my new home for solopreneurs, Pappy Club. I invite you to join for free right now. Get what you need to crush those limiting beliefs and define new beliefs that support business success and your overall happiness. Head over to pappyclub.com to sign up and start infusing your thinking with positive beliefs that support how awesome you are and all of the great things you've yet to accomplish in your business and life. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-L-U-B dot com to sign up now and I'll see you there. Yeah, but we have to allow that. So I'm going to just say this to the listener. Try this exercise where you look at a challenge you're having in your business and what you believe to be true about that challenge. And Feel for what the trade-off is if you were to do something different, if you were to think differently about it, if you were to open up to a what-if conversation that maybe was the polar opposite of what that problem is. What are you saying is a trade-off? And and I think that that would be a good exercise uh, for, for my listener. So 
make that one of your to-dos there. But I also yeah. want to, I, I was sitting here nodding like crazy as you were giving that that example, because I have a lot of clients that come to me and they're in, I don't know how to frame it really. They've been, they've been on their own for a while and they've been really grinding it. They've been working hard. They've been traveling, you know, doing their engagements with their clients, whether they're working on stage, whether they're standing in front of a room facilitating a, a workshop, uh, training, co- consulting, you know, making things, whatever that thing is that they're doing. And they get to a point in their career where they want to, uh, you know, maybe start uh, pulling back a little bit, not retiring, but just working smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get a lot of my clients because I help them simplify things, right? So that's right. one of the things that I help them figure out. And so many come with this exact thing you were just talking about, that they have this trade-off. Like if I stop traveling to my clients, they're not going to want to work with me because they want a person in their building doing my thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a belief, right? Right. Uh, if I, I had a conversation just a, a little over a week ago with a client who said uh, when I was challenging them around their income, like what's your income target, right? Where do you want to be? You got to figure this stuff out when you're building a right. strategy, right? Because if it's right. an aggressive income, then you have to be aggressive with your strategy. And they were capping their revenue goal. They were being very, very, very modest on their income goal. And I, I challenged them on, I said, why, why not add two more zeros? Why not add right. four more zeros? You know, right. I, it was just one of those things. And it was incomprehensible because in their mind, we had a good conversation about it. In their mind, they said that if I have to do what I have to do in order to reach that income goal, I'm going to be too tired. I'm not going to have time to vacation with my family, you know, B, C, D, right? So they had this litany of things that were completely blocking their ability to allow abundance to flow into their life because they, in their mind, said that they are going to have all this burden. Here's another example, very similar in my own experience. I've been in business 14 years, and because I'm in a business where I make things, Mm -hmm. I need to produce a lot of tactical things for my clients. And when I went into this business, I went in with the goal of freedom, flexibility, the ability to inspire the creative power of of the people I work with and the people Mm -hmm. around me. And so that was kind of where I was operating out of. And when I started to get super busy and I was doing all the implementation, the writing, the creating, all that stuff, which I love, yeah. but it was getting to the point where I was, uh, I basically wasn't able to do, to take on more business because I was so busy taking care of the clients I had. So obviously any MBA person will say, well, you need to hire people. <laughs> I don't want to hire people, right? right? Because my belief construct was I don't, I don't like to or don't want to manage people. The more people you have in your business, the more complexity. So it was part desire, part belief. And I want to get to that in a second. Part desire, part belief of how I want my business to be. But yet there are ways that I can still have all the freedom, flexibility, and not micro have to micromanage and stuff. Uh, and and not have employees. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. but my I was so closed off to that that I kept my business small mm. from the standpoint of revenue and volume and ability of people I could help. 
as a result, I was I kind of hit this glass ceiling because I would not bring on help um, at that point. Now I work a lot differently. A lot, I, I, I'm smarter about it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to be self-judgy or anything, self-critical, but it's like, okay, I get it now. So I had to work on that belief. And it was ingrained from my my brother and my dad, who both had their own companies and lots of employees. And I think I've said this on yeah. another podcast where my brother said, Terry, if I were you, I would just be a consultant, make enough money to be comfortable and never have an employee. <laughs> Yeah, and that was just yeah. him sharing his headaches of being an employer of, of sure. you know, a lot of headaches. So, do you have any additional thoughts on those examples? Yeah. So one of the things when you said um, about beliefs, right? You have a thought, you have a series of thoughts. Whether it's mom, dad, school, friends, when they cluster, you end up with a belief around a particular topic: sales, yes. or marketing, or your business. Yes. And so I've worked because I believe that sometimes it's the tiniest shift, especially with high achievers, the tiniest little shift in their thinking creates really powerful results, right? In a Mm. world where it's like, I should just change my business plan or I should go in a different direction or I should fire my, 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 my virtual assistant and get a new one because I'm not getting the results I want. What about if you just look at the belief and I've literally had folks, and I've done this myself because I like to drink my own Kool-Aid, um, where when a belief shows up and when you see it, thank you, awareness, you, I've, I've had them write it down and it's, I can be or do blank as long as blank. Then there's something there, right? I can have more clients as long as I don't charge so I, I can have the business I want as long as I don't have employees, right? So that's like a trade-off example. Is that what you're like? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's building off of the trade-off example. And then I have them cross off where it said, like kind of scribble through where it said, as long as. Yeah. And I the have condition. them write, yeah. yeah, whether or not. And I just go, just sit with it. Put your the index card near oh, your I desk. Like I've had them on my bathroom mirror. And I go, okay, because once you see the belief, most people want to go, well, let me understand it. Is it my mom? Oh, it's probably my dad. Whatever, right? <laughs> Who cares where it came Who from? Who cares it's, where it came from? Yes. Yeah, it's in your consciousness. See it. And once you see it, know that you can, in that moment, choose to play the game a little differently. And as long as is a trade off, whether or not is limitless. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it puts the power and the onus back on the owner of that thought, the creator of that thought, which is really interesting. Wow. Yep. I love that exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that again. So I want my listener to take a note on this is so when you have, go ahead and just break that down step by step, that exercise. Cause I think that's, I'm actually going to do this myself. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so when you're going through something and you see, right, maybe you've written down, like you shared earlier, what are the, what are the beliefs that I have around my money or around my business or whatever, and pick one that, you know, if if you brainstorm a list, Mm -hmm. one or two will really show up as like resonating, like there's just, you, you feel it, write that belief down on an index card in the format, I can do, or I can be blank, as long as blank. 
right? Okay. I can experience joy in my business as long as I don't have employees. Yeah, like right? another example that I can think of is I know what I can grow my business uh, client base as long as I make five outreach calls a day, which is something I've been doing every day. Then yeah. that's a belief. Like I know yeah. I'll grow my business if I make five outreach, brand new outreach calls a day. Yes. Okay. And so then once you have it written down, I can grow my business as long as I have five out, as long as I make five outreach calls a day, right. you cross off the as long as, and you replace it with whether or not. And the funny thing is, you'll probably find yourself doing 10 outreach calls with half the effort. Wow. You just blew my mind, girl. <laughs> that is, listener, I hope you caught that. That's why I wanted her to go over that again, because I'm thinking about that just in my own statement around my outreach calls. And it's, you know, honestly, Louisa, it's like freeing. You know, it, it. it just kind of like it liberates my um, structure around that. I mean, what if I picked instead of five, I picked 10. What yeah. if I picked 50? Yeah. You know, and and like you said, it's like if I if I reframe it to whether or not I make 50 calls a day, if I only make 10 calls a day, the possibility is still there. That's what I mean about yes. liberating, how liberating yeah. that is. I freaking love that. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing that I'll add about why that exercise is so, I've seen it be so powerful in my life and in my clients' lives is that it's, it's a lot of times it ends up being a goal that someone has, right? It's a belief, but it's a belief right. that they will, that they think will help them move. Yeah. My example is a perfect one for goal. Yeah, it, absolutely. Exactly. And so what that does is in a very subtle way, and sometimes I draw it out explicitly for folks is it lets you see that a goal is not just a place to get to, but a place to come from. Mm. And when a goal is a place to come from, you know that where you are today is also where you're going to want to get. And like you can be that today, whatever that belief is, as you move towards it and that the freedom to be more in the being Mm -hmm. is is so powerful with 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 um an exercise like that i i love that almost like a state of being and mm -hmm. and because that's why so many people fail with their goals because they're not allowing them they're not allowing themselves to achieve the state of being whatever that entails mm -hmm. uh, in the current moment as yeah. they're doing what they feel they need to do action wise or thought wise or what have you uh, as a process of of doing the actions that support that goal, that they decided yep. support that goal. Wow, that's pretty, that's exactly. heavy duty. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump over and talk about uh, desire and beliefs, because I mentioned earlier when I was giving my examples about how I want to have this type of freedom and flexibility, how I don't want, meaning desire, preference, uh, to manage people, that I I do want to have the ability to inspire creativity, so on and so forth. And I do want to grow my business. Um, those desires, how do they underpin beliefs or maybe get influenced by beliefs? 
desire is a really, really, really interesting one for me. My, um, to me, desire inhibits, sometimes impedes freedom. At the, I think at the end of the day, every one of us want to experience freedom in some way, right? Insert whatever belief, insert whatever goal so that I can, I mean, that's part of the reason why I left the corporate world is I wanted the freedom to create my business and Mm -hmm. create clients and do it my way. (laughs) I mean, I now know why I sometimes butted heads with certain bosses because they were like, I need you to do this and this and this. And I'm like, no. Um, (laughs) You are not alone, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) You are among friendlies. (laughs) And so if we want freedom, but we say, I have a desire for this to happen in order for this to happen, it almost creates a backstop, mm. right? A, if I, cause if I don't do or don't fulfill on my desire as an end state or a place to get to, then I can't have this, which is another a similar spin to what we were saying about trade-offs. Right. Um, and so rather than desire, what I love to how I love to view it is what is what is your intention and again it tie, that ties back to the place to come from what is your intention and not intention as in um, I intend to have dinner tonight or I intend to eat lunch at two o'clock but an intention to and it, it could even be the exercise with the index card that that is that that input for it but an intention as a place to come from a, a way of being that we could choose to step into moment to moment, right? Because mm. desire is, I desire to lose 20 pounds in the next, you know, have a desire to feel better in my jeans. And so I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do it five days a week. And what that does is it creates all these guardrails around our way of being shifts us mm. into the doing, 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 and we don't have that freedom. We don't have the, what do I want to do? What is my state of being? And people often think that their doing informs their being, but they, but that's not true, right? Doing mm. is whatever you do. You make the calls, you hire a marketing person, you create a new business plan or evolve it. And then the being is how do I want to be it's a moment to moment choice. So it's not a checkbox or a destination. How do I want to be in this moment? For example, I want to experience peace and joy as I build my business in 2020 is an intention, Mm. right? It's a moment to moment place to come from that I can bring to any situation at any time. And so pulling back from the, the desire, which can often be an end state, or you either fill on the desire and you you succeed or you don't and you fail, you get that expansiveness with an intention that ends up becoming a place that you come from as you go about and build your business and, and create your life the way the way you want. It, yeah, and it is I get I get the sense about how that is much more freeing and, and empowering as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I was listening to you, I love what you were sharing. And as I was listening, I was thinking, you know, it's almost as if beliefs inform desire and shape and drive desire as opposed to us having authentic desire. So some of the examples mm. that you were given, like I have a desire to 
have freedom and not manage people. But what if I had an intention around having true joy and fulfillment in my work, just to be speak generally, mm-hmm. and in so doing by having employees, for example, I could experience more joy and more fulfillment through that expansion. So it's almost like I don't, I don't have that e- exposure because I've already told myself in my beliefs that this is the answer in order to have a free and flexible business. I can't have employees. So there's mm-hmm. the belief. So that the desire is being informed by that belief, which is, oh, I have a desire to not have uh, employees. That's really interesting. But I like yeah. the, I like using intention as the device to assess uh, action, you know, the things you you do for those very reasons of, of much more empowerment and freedom. Yeah. And you, you are making the choice. You're not a victim of, you know, like in my example, it's like, well, the reality is if you have employees, they're going to be a pain in the butt. And that's right. my conditioning. That's yeah. all driving that from my dad's business and my brother's business and the things that they would complain about and I got exposed to. And so I was like, okay. And I've never had a business where I've had true employees. I've had subcontractors and things like that, but it's not the same. So yeah. I, I find that really fascinating. That's a really powerful distinction. Yeah. And, and everything you've been saying has been about taking ownership of what you're thinking and the decisions you're making and understanding that it's up to you to open it up yeah. and expand it into new possibility and realize that you've got the choice to do that as a yeah. solopreneur listener. <laughs> yeah. You have the choice to do that, just like I have the choice to change how yeah. I'm deciding around employees or growing my business or whatever it is, uh, you know, the thought du jour, so to speak. Yeah. The thing that came up for me as you were talking about beliefs and what shows up for you around your business that you know, may have been what you saw or observed in your dad's business is that so often I'm, I'm reading a book called The Code of the Extraordinary Vi- uh, Mind by Vishen Lakshani. He's the CEO of Mind Valley, And there's a chapter on brules. And he calls a brule a bull, you know what, rule um, that it was instilled in us that we observed, that we saw on TV or saw with a teacher. And mm-hmm. so when you do see a belief, another way that you could think it is, wait a second. So this was my dad's belief. It probably served him. Does this feel true to me? Right. Does this feel true to me? And sometimes just slowing down enough to put that filter in place. Like, okay, so there's this series of thoughts around sales in my business or revenue what are what 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 are those and do they feel true to me mm-hmm. and if the story doesn't serve you like i've told clients i go i don't care what your story is i care whether it serves you and so right. if it doesn't let's rewrite the new story it's it's yeah. that simple oh, and that's definitely. what the exercise of the belief of as long as to whether or not it's just shifting the line of code right from as long as to whether or not, and then where it evolves from there is just, is, is where it's meant to go for that person. Right. But it helps rewrite the, the, the line of code in our minds that then again, help us drive different actions and get different results. Wow. 
That's so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about this topic for quite a while. I love this. And some of the examples, the practical exercises that you provided are going to be so helpful to uh, to our listener here. And thank you so much for those. And thank you so much for being of here. Course. I'm definitely going to invite you to come back and talk more I about this it. because you're a fabulous coach. And uh, I love some of the uh, invitations that you have to look at things different and use the just simple tactics to actually just open things up for people. And that uh, the exercises that you shared have been really right in line with that. And I'm so grateful uh, for, for having you here and for everything that you've uh, shared with us today. Uh, thank you so much, Louisa. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was wonderful. I appreciate the invitation. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.